All right, it's 10 after 11 o'clock. Let's get into our health feature. And um, we're reflecting on how we've been watching and noting, at least this is what has been said by health workers, an increase in hypertension amongst the South African population. Uh, Dr. Nolutando Nematswerani is the head of Clinical Excellence at Discovery. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Good morning and good morning to the listeners. Dr. Musima Mabunda is the head of Vitality Wellness at Discovery. Uh, Dr. Mabunda, good morning to you as well. Good morning, Kesha. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, Dr. Mabunda, we're struggling to hear you a bit, so um, I I don't know if it's where you are or if it's just the quality of connection uh, we have. We'll we'll play it by ear. We might need to redial you. Uh, Nolutando, let me begin with you, and perhaps you can just set the scope for us. We're dealing with increasing numbers of hypertension in the South African population and um, specifically marking or observing what has happened over the last two to three years. What role has COVID-19 played, if if any, at all? I think what we, thank you so much, Kathy. I think what we've seen with COVID firstly is that, I mean, during lockdowns, you know, people were not as physically active as they were pre-COVID. So physical activity, we know it is an important, um, you know, um, contributor or a protective measure against uh, hypertension. Um, I think our diets also went haywire uh, during lockdown, you know, so so diet is also an important uh, factor. Um, if we don't eat well, um, we are going to gain weight. So obesity is associated with hypertension. And I think the stress levels as well increased during COVID for various reasons, uh, financial pressures, Uh, you know, isolation, there's been quite a lot that has happened during the COVID period. And also the fact that people were not screening. So people were not accessing, uh, you know, uh, health uh, facilities, even though, um, you know, the services were available. And in some instances, maybe limited um, access. But broadly speaking, we saw a decline in people just uh, seeking, uh, you know, the the screening uh, programs and and going to to, to check themselves. Mm -hmm. So all those uh, factors have contributed maybe to what we are going to be seeing in the long in the in the coming um, you know years uh, if we do not do something drastic around changing the impact of covid uh, in when it relates to hypertension and other non-communicable diseases mm. I, i'm i'm thinking about um how in some instances people who were exposed or who who contracted covid-19 um, some were said, and I'll use diabetes as an example, there are people who may have been at high risk of developing diabetes for whatever reason. And once they contracted COVID-19, then, you know, the at the end of it also would um, end up with a, a medical diagnosis for diabetes. So it seemed to almost... Um, uh, What's the word I'm looking? It 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 hasten the the pace at which somebody would would suffer from a particular disease. Is that what what we saw happening with hypertension? Um, not not uh, really. But what we've seen, uh, Katie, to 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 exactly your 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 point, mm. we have seen, and and I think it it also talks to um a huge number of people who are living undiagnosed with a chronic condition. So we need to, uh, you know, address both uh, 
you know, issues. So you are sitting, you don't know that you've got a condition and now you've got a COVID and you present yourself to a healthcare facility and you are diagnosed for the first time during that event. So there are those patients who may have this underlying a chronic condition that they were living with, but they were not aware, but then it gets diagnosed during a, an episode of of uh, of COVID, but we've also seen that there are new onset, uh, you know, cases where you're diagnosed with hypertension or you're diagnosed with diabetes for the first time. But in the in the heart disease area, we've seen other heart conditions, not necessarily hypertension, but we've seen an increase in people post COVID uh, starting to be diagnosed with cardiac conditions and also uh, diabetes, as you rightly uh, as you correctly um, indicated. Dr. Mabunda, let me come to you and and perhaps then focus on um, some of the lifestyle habits that that have been worsening or creating a greater risk of of exposure to hypertension. Hi, Kathy, um, and to your listeners. Um, We know that there are lifestyle behaviors that increase one's risk of high blood pressure and other chronic conditions. But the beauty is the very same lifestyle behaviors. There are things that one can do within the sphere of control to address those risk factors. Um, The first one, um, I'm just picking up because you were speaking about um, COVID-19 and lockdown. The first one that I want to highlight is being physically inactive. If people don't engage in regular exercise, and I know the World Health Organization recommends that people endeavor to exercise at least 150 to 300 minutes per week. If you are physically inactive, and we've seen how lockdown has affected people's ability to be physically um, active for various reasons, including that for some it actually wasn't accessible, that puts you at risk um, of chronic conditions such as hypertension, which is why you would have heard anybody who speaks about health promotion, encouraging people to exercise. We've published work in Vitality that demonstrate that those members that exercise are actually healthier and are at less of a risk. And we endeavor um, to create programs that incentivize and encourage people to exercise and make it a daily habit, but also make it uh, financially accessible. In our world, in Vitality, we would give discounts, for example. And all of those concerted efforts actually should nudge people to say, we're investing so much in physical activity because the evidence speaks for itself. Um, If you exercise regularly, you certainly lower your risk of, of high blood pressure. The second lifestyle behavior is is nutrition. Um, We are not eating as as healthy as we should be. And this is not only a South Africa challenge. It's a global um, challenge, really. Um, There is an opportunity for all of us to improve the quality of our diet. Diets that are rich in fruit and vegetables lower your risk of not only hypertension, uh, but also other lifestyle diseases. And the interesting thing about this healthy lifestyle behavior is, Kathy, as many people know, like, I think if you just pick the random person on the street to say like you know do you know that healthy eating is good for you the answer is will always be a resounding yes do you know you should exercise people know things like uh, tobacco smoking people know that smoking is not good for you um, and things like excess alcohol consumption etc so when it comes to healthy lifestyle habits that put us at risk for things like hypertension the knowledge is there where programs such as vitality and maybe similar programs come in is we know that there's cognitive biases that get in the way of us doing the right things for ourselves. That's why we play around with things like how we message members, how we play with reminders, how we incentivize and reward people so that they are motivated to do the very things that they know are good for them. 
Dr. Uh, Dr. Nematoreni, I, I want to come to you and, and perhaps go back again, take a couple of steps back and talk about what hypertension actually is and the risk factors for hypertension. Okay, thank you so much. So high blood pressure is really referring to uh, the resistance against which your heart is pumping the blood into your various organs. And this is measured using a specific tool that we call a sphygmomanometer, which is a cuff that you, you know, you put around the arm and you measure it. And how we measure it, obviously it has got two values, the systolic and the diastolic um, uh, blood pressure. So when we say you've got a blood pressure of 120 over 80, it means the 120 is the systolic component, which is uh, the pressure that is measured that when your heart is contracting to pump blood out of, out, out of your heart into, your, into the system. And when your heart relaxes, that becomes your diastolic uh, phase. And that is the, you know, the, 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 the number that is below, um, uh, is below the 120. So if we say 120, 80, the 80 becomes the diastolic. So that usually we say are roughly around 120, 80 is the, is the, is the, is the normal blood, blood pressure. But um, for people then to, to be diagnosed with high blood pressure, we say if at least you've got a reading of 140, 90 over two uh, consecutive um, uh, settings where you've been tested uh, for, for that. Um, we know that uh, there are some guidelines that also even look at a lower uh, threshold for blood pressure, looking at 130, 80 to start saying, you know, you need to be doing something drastic to, to make sure that you don't end up uh, requiring, a, you know, a intensive treatment with, with medication. So that's really what blood pressure is. It is really just looking at the pressure against which our heart is pumping and because uh, it has got uh, several um, uh, implications in terms of uh, the healthcare risks that hypertension um, you know, comes with. There are specific uh, risk factors like your age, the older you are, the higher the chances of you being uh, hyperten hypertensive. Um, if, if you are overweight and obese, you are more likely to, to have hypertension. If you are stressed, um, if you don't have a good diet, you've got a diet high in, in, in salt. If you are a smoker, if you are a heavy drinker, um, and uh, we've also seen also that uh, there is a higher incidence also of, you know, there's, there's a race component uh, to, to blood pressure where we're seeing our black patients also experiencing um, high blood pressure quite more, uh, quite um, frequently. So I think those are just high level, some of the risk factors, but there are some people who may have other underlying uh, chronic conditions or heart related conditions or kidney conditions that uh, then uh, result in, 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 a, in an increase in their blood pressure. Mm. But usually those we call secondary hypertensives. So it's not a primary uh, diagnosis. Let's talk about the symptoms that people often experience uh, when they have hypertension. So generally hypertension is usually asymptomatic. So you may not experience anything, which is the, the risk. Uh, because, you know, if, if you go around not knowing that you are living with a condition, uh, you may just uh, only realize when you are experiencing a complication. So that's the biggest issue with hypertension, which is why we call it a silent killer, because most people will not have any symptoms. But some people will present with headaches, you know, some, um, you know, nosebleeds. And some people may present already with complications where they are already experiencing swelling uh, of their legs. 
Um, and, and some people uh, may also have eye-related complications and other complications could be obviously um, a stroke. So a person can present with complications or some symptoms like headaches, blurred vision, uh, nosebleeds um, and, and, and palpitations for some patients. So, so it could be heart-related uh, uh, complications. Some of it could be just the headaches, which are, you know, maybe non-specific. So we we encourage people not to dismiss some of those non-specific uh, symptoms. Mm. A lot has been said about the need to review our diets when it comes to, uh, you know, increasing our health outcomes, etc. And and just in the last hour of the show, we were looking at the situation that many South Africans have found themselves in, especially under COVID-19, where people not only don't have money, don't have jobs, but are struggling to access food, let alone um, food that is considered nutritious or, or healthy. And these are the realities that, that we're dealing with um, amongst the, the South African population today. And and, and I wonder for you, uh, Musima, if, if you think that there's specific interventions that can be made available um, in this regard. Kathy, you have touched on a very pertinent point. Um, and for me, this cuts across all uh, socioeconomic levels. Uh, food is becoming unaffordable for many and healthy food even more so. Um, I was reflecting two weeks ago when I went home that there are just some of the basic things that at least I grew up with that made healthy eating accessible. And at the time I used to associate it with poverty, but now I realize how smart that is. I'll give you an example. Um, at my mom's house, she plants everything all vegetables. I don't even think she buys vegetables. Things like seeds are accessible and having a home garden is something that gets healthy eating closer to you, right? And this is something that doesn't require um, high skill level. So for me, that type of, of education is quite important. I know when I was in primary school, it used to be in the curriculum where you would also do gardening to just make people aware that um, some of these things are within the sphere of your control because part of what makes them inaccessible is if you outsource vegetables to someone who plants them for you takes it to a supermarket, packages it for you, and then charges you. That escalates the cost. But I think I would encourage education and conversation around some of the basic things that some of us um, know that make these foods accessible. So for me, that's number one. But a second element, and I know the industry broadly is, is quite active in, in making sure that whatever foods that are available on our shelves meet the basic minimum nutrition. I mean, an example that I would give, and I think those conversations need to continue, is recently when a sugar tax was applied, as an example. We know that excess sugar contributes to ill health and where policies allow food manufacturers to make sure that the foods that are being sold to, to the public have the basic nutrition, those things are far reaching beyond what is in someone's pockets. So for me, there's multiple layers that one thinks about in terms of what policies and legislation enable us to eat healthy. What can we do within a sphere of influence, like planting food in our garden? And if I look at what we do um, in, in the Vitality Programme, it's a combination of providing members with discounts on healthy food. So inadvertently, we're saying you can go to a shop and buy what you like, but if you'd like to afford a, a healthy meal, if you would like to afford a healthy meal, we will make it accessible for you by giving you a discount and giving you points. So I think it's it's multifaceted, Kathy, but it's certainly a conversation that should traverse um, government, organizations and individuals alike.
Dr. Musima Mabundla is the head of Vitality Wellness at Discovery. Thank you so much for being part of this conversation. So what we're going to do is that we'll continue with uh, Dr. Nolutando and she'll be taking, of course, your direct questions that are linked to hypertension, especially for those of you uh, who are who've been diagnosed with the disease or perhaps you want to know more about the disease and also just some of the treatment options that are available to uh, patients out there. And, and perhaps that's a good place for us to go next. Um, uh, Nolutando, what are the treatment options that are available to people diagnosed with hypertension? Thank you so much. So I think that's why I, I spoke about, you know, the levels of hypertension. So when we look at the international, uh, you know, classification, there are some patients who are not necessarily um, at the level of 140, 90 and above, but they are, you know, in the region of 130, 80, where you don't necessarily need medication, but you need lifestyle intervention. So the stuff that we spoke about, physical activity, you know, dealing with your diet and reducing your salt intake, stopping to smoke and, you know, reducing your alcohol intake. So the lifestyle component remains a key, um, you know, uh, it plays a key role in the management of hypertension. And then once you then have a diagnosis, uh, you will be started on medication. There are various drug classes that can be provided. Some of the medications will cause people to, to, to we, we call them diuretics. And uh, there are various others, uh, you know, that, because I don't want to also use all the technical terms, but there are various drug classes. So in hypertension, the beauty is that there are various drug classes and your doctor will then decide how to initiate your treatment, what combinations and and also at the time of diagnosis, how high is your blood pressure? So your doctor may put you on a single agent if at the time of diagnosis, you know, your blood pressure is still relatively still low compared to, to other people. But there are some people who at the time of diagnosis, their blood pressure is very high and therefore they are already put on combination treatments. And, um, you know, they will also check for other, you know, uh, conditions that you may have. Uh, together with your hypertension, because if you already have hypertension and your heart is already failing, there are other drug combinations that the doctor will um, will then uh, look into. So it all depends on the level of your blood pressure at the time of diagnosis and also underlying um, conditions or complications that you may have uh, at the time of diagnosis. How important is this issue of the readings? Because one often finds, let's say, if you you have uh, something else that's taking place uh, in your body, you know, the, the readings for, from your blood pressure it can be um, higher than, than what it's supposed to be. And, and, and my experience has, has been that depending on which doctor you go to, not everybody is thorough in, in perhaps understanding why it is that if you're a relatively, uh, you know, healthy person, your blood pressure is suddenly spiking. So, so that's why it's important at the time of, of, of measuring the blood pressure that you are relaxed, that they are using the correct cuff. So there are various other aspects that need to be in place before someone can diagnose you with, a, with, with, with high blood pressure. There's something that we call white coat uh, blood pressure where you, you know, ensures your blood pressure is slightly elevated. Usually we say just relax, calm down. And, you know, there are some instances where, you know, somebody is measuring your blood pressure. They're not using the correct cuff. You know, they're using a small cuff. Then the reading is going to be inaccurate. So everything needs to be 
you know, according to, uh, you know, the, the recommended uh, guidelines for us to be able to say, yes, we used the right cuff. The patient was well, was relaxed. There was nothing else that could have contributed to that high reading. And therefore we, we, we take that reading as it is. And then it, we also do not rely on just one reading to say now uh, we're diagnosing you with, with, blood with, high, with high blood pressure, which is why there needs to be a second reading, you know, at least separated by a, a time frame. And then, you know, the doctor can repeat um, that blood pressure and then can say, you know, I've done it in two readings. You were sitting here for an hour and uh, you were relaxed. I used the correct cuff. And now I can say you are hypertensive. All right. Um, we'll be taking your calls on zero double one seven one four two double zero six on the WhatsApp line zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. We're talking about hypertension. It's eleven thirty. Dineo is standing by with your headlines. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. We continue the conversation on the talking point for our health feature. We're talking about hypertension. Dr. Nolutando Nematswerani is the head of clinical excellence at Discovery. Let me go to Rishma in Durban. Rishma, good morning. What a wonderful show, as always. Mm. Uh, it's one of my pet topics, uh, diet in hypertension. Mm. I want to agree with the the doctor who's on the line now and the previous one on nutrition that our communities are having uh, very high uh, cholesterol levels, which is fat levels, and, and that's also contributing. So I often say to my patients that they have to eat what grows in your garden. And I often say to them that the long, long... Um, Long-lasting uh, foods are madumbi, uh, patata, mealy. So th- these are stuff they can relate to, and you actually have to say it to them and tell them to have lots of water, to decrease the bread, and to stop all the fried foods because that also contributes a hell of a lot because uh, communities love fried food. So I tell them, uh, not to have usu, amagrinia, dombolo. <laughs> I know these are all, all, all the things. All the things we love, Rishma. All yes. the things we love. But but as the doctor will who will tell you that it, it contributes terribly. So so if we if we actually draw a, write a diet sheet for them to make it understandable that they can eat the things that they used to that grow around you, mm-hmm. and not to have Santa, Coke, KFC, chicken licken. Uh, McDonald's, all the fast food, and have what God gave you, water from the sky and plants that grow. But we actually have to fill it out to them for them to understand it because they also think, they always think that we want to give them a fancy robot size. And of course, not Vienna's, Polony, Frankfurters, and Russian. Mm-hmm. And Rishma, <laughs> tell me, what do you do? Oh, I'm a medical doctor. <laughs> you're also you're also a doctor, and you also you you deal with this on on a day to day basis. Yeah, I just think we have to make it very real for them mm. and uh, for the patients, and make them understand what it is. And then there's almost like a sigh of relief if if they know that things are inexpensive and attainable. Mm. And, and often. Yeah, I was going to say often what have you found to be the challenge when it comes to changing lifestyles? Because, you know, it's easy to to say, well, you know, let's not eat. um, People shouldn't eat fat cooks or or whatever the case is. But um, 
what I found is that sometimes uh, somebody will say, well, I'm gonna, I'll have maybe three fat cooks for breakfast or four, but I know that after I've eaten that, I don't have to eat again until supper or whatever the case is. So exactly. th these are foods that are found to be quite filling. And so they're not necessarily being eaten because they're the number one choice, but um, they, they just they fulfill almost a double purpose. Absolutely, because it's, it's, it's something they can attain. But I also say that you have a little bit of mini meal and I'm worried about the nutrition. So I tell them to have two teaspoons a tablespoon of mass because it's, it's, it's a natural probiotic and it helps with nutrition. And I tell them that a loaf of bread costs about 14 to 18 runs, but an apple costs one run. So that's what I mean, Kathy, when I say that you actually have to spell it out to them to, so that they understand that they can afford it and it is doable. Mm -hmm. And if they don't want to walk, then I tell them to lie on the bed and do exercises because the go-go's can't walk because mm -hmm. they have walking sticks. So you you get you gotta be very very real. Yeah. All right. All right, Rishma. Thanks. I for wanted to. In. Yes. I yes, wanted to address in. something. Uh, thank you so much, Rishma, for 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 for, con for your contribution. Okay, I wanted to you. address something. I wanted to address something else around salt. Um, you know, there are people who, before they even taste the food, so if the salt is already there and they're already like, you know, adding salt to their food. So I think that's another thing. I don't know. I think it could be a South African thing. I don't know if other nations do this, but uh, we love our salt. Um, and we also have, you know, uh, products that are ready made that we buy that are high in salt content. So I think that's another thing that people just need to be aware of if you buy sausage, for example, you find that usually the, the salt content in the sausage is so high and you add the fat content as well that's there. And, you know, um, it's, it's important for us to be aware of some of the foods that could be contributing to um, to poor health. Mm. And, and again, the, these are these are popular foods. Uh, you know, Rishma was talking about Viennas and Russians and, and all sorts. Yes. And, and, and we know that when you look at the nutritional content, of, of this food, it's very, very low. You know, it's just a whole yeah. lot of junk, yeah. literally, that is being put <laughs> into uh, into these products. Yes. It's uh, easy food, but not not so healthy. Yeah, yeah. All right, let me go to Vusi in Bedford View. Hello, Vusi. How are you, ma? I'm well, thank you. Yes. Um, I was admitted uh, uh, for Corona, I think, uh, uh, eight months ago. Not, not eight months ago, it was uh, in January last year. Uh, then I had what, uh, sugar diabetes and uh, hypertension. While I was there in the hospital, then everything was high, 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 high. But later, they are about to release me. They called me, they said, never, never take uh, medication for hypertension and um, diabetes. Then I asked them why. They said, no, everything is well controlled. Uh, but I said, no, when I come here, uh, I've been using this uh, tablet for 20 years now. They they showed me the results. It was, I think, professors, uh, those big doctors, they called me and they said, no, never take it. Because when you take it, then the hospital will admit you. So, okay, I, I didn't trust them. Then I keep on stealing this tablet. And really, after two weeks, then they admitted me. 
Then they, they checked my blood. They said, no, you are still taking the tablets. You are fine. But I said, no, before before I took this tablet, I was admitted for for what uh, diabetes in, in ICU before. So why you say I must not? They said, no, listen what you are, we are telling you. So they, they asked me why, why, why this, this sickness is no longer to me. Then I said, no, what I'm doing, I joined the gym. Then the way I'm eating, I was used to eat cold drink and shisanyama and uh, malamkhoto before, you see. Then I stopped everything. Then my life back to normal. Like now I'm doing karate. Uh, I'm brown belt now. So I'm just giving an advice to yes, other people. Yes, we'll see. <laughs> uh, you, you, you can do it. I, I didn't believe that mm. because they used to say, you can't leave this tablet, you're going to die, what, what, what. No, it's about you. I'm mm. giving a testimony. It's about you. Uh, I, I, I don't want to drink Coke. I don't want to drink this, you see. And then you leave everything, you just cut everything, you drink water, you won't die. Then you, you go, you walk, you run, you do exercises. Even you close the door if you don't have money to go to gym. You just exercise. You know, I started in my house. Then I bought a book. I was doing some cutters and ex- all exercises. Then I become light. Then now I'm all right. Congratulations, Vusi. And I think that your story is really an example of, of what happens when we're intentional about taking the decisions that can turn our life around, turn our health around. And and they always looked like they're difficult in the beginning. But, um, yeah, I, I'm really so happy for you and, and, and what, what has happened in, in your story. I, I want to take uh, Dr. Ade in Mafikeng before I, I go back to Nolutando. Dr. Ade, good morning. Hello, good morning. Yes. Yeah, this is Dr. Ade from Africa. Um, I just want to say great job done by the good doctor there. Um, I just want to add one thing around the risk factors. I really will implore people to take this thing very serious, the issue of the risk factors, because we all know that prevention is better than cure. If we can identify these risk factors and work on them, we can prevent. If at all we're going to have high blood, it will take a bit longer. And still on the risk factors, there are some that you cannot do much about, like your age, your gender. We know people transgender, yes, but it doesn't change their risk. But there's this group that I really want to just briefly talk about. It's called the modifiable factors. Those are the ones we can do something about and most of which the good doctor with you had already highlighted, like the issue of the weight. Just from time to time, pop into your clinic, to your doctor, just to check your weight and calculate your body mass index. And from that alone, you you start to be conscious of something to be done. Then the issue of alcohol consumption, the issue of cigarette smoking, the issue of eating too much fat. So those ones, we all can do something about them, and they are called modify. That means we can modify the consequence. So that's all I just want to add 
Thank mm. you very much. Th- thank you for that call, uh, Dr. Ade in in Maf- in, in uh, Mahiking. Uh, Dr. Nolutando. Thank you so much. Uh, I really am glad that Fusi came on, you know, to just share his story because he's confirming that lifestyle uh, modifications, like Dr. Ari is saying, actually do work. And I think, you know, uh, it's important for him to come here and say he has done it and this is the result and, and you know, to encourage other people because it's always it always seems easier to just pop a pill um and and you know you find that it's it's not always easy to also be compliant taking medication every day is is, is challenging as it is so for for those people who can actually change uh you know they are the cause of the disease by just you know um adhering to these lifestyle changes that we've spoken about um, I think it, it is a very, very meaningful uh, contribution that FUSI has made uh, today and just highlighting the importance of lifestyle uh, changes. Mm. I want to talk about the some of the different things that people can and do add to their diets when it comes to hypertension. I've, I've heard about, is it is it cayenne pepper? Like um, a, a teaspoon of cayenne pepper every single day makes it different? Or was it turmeric? One of the two. <laughs> so, so I think I think um, there are lots of things. I mean, I know people pop garlic uh, tablets. There's quite a variety of of uh, nutritional uh, compounds that people have over time. Um, you know, in small studies, been tested and showed some lowering of blood pressure. I think for me, my advice though is that you know people usually, if you say, oh, it's turmeric, then they only take turmeric and they go and fry their foods. They eat lots of salt. So in our in our approach to healthy diets, we say a balanced diet, reduce your fat content, reduce your, your salt content, increase your vegetable and your, your fruit intake, drink lots of water, exercise. That for me is much easier than having one say, just eat beetroot, you know, you're going to be fine and, that, and that's it. So those single item, uh, you know, dietary advice uh, that is sometimes not based on very robust clinical data, I'd rather stay away from that, from those and really stick to this, you know, um, good dietary advice that we know not only applies to hypertension, but it will apply to patients who are diabetic and any other person who wants to lead a healthy lifestyle and, um, you know, prevent some of these chronic conditions from arising. Mm. You, you were talking about salt earlier, and I've got a message here. I'm 53, male and hypertensive, and recently I've replaced the normal white salt uh, with red Himalayan salt, which apparently is good for hypertension. Uh, does the doctor know anything about this? That's from Farai. I, I, I'm not familiar with the Himalayan salt. All I just know is that with the current salt that we have, because sodium content is quite high, there are some uh, salts that you get where the sodium content is reduced, but you can still, you know, flavor your food. Um, I, I won't lie and say I'm very familiar with the Himalayan salt, but I will research it and see if maybe the sodium content is is reduced in that in that particular salt. All right. I've got a message here from Ephraim in Nalspread who says, Hi, Kathy. I've recently been diagnosed with hypertension. Uh, blood analysis revealed that I have high cholesterol levels. I'm taking mm-hmm. enalapril ascendus, 10 mega, uh, milligrams, uh, aspirin and a pill for cholesterol. My problem is that uh, 
the time I take the pill for cholesterol, I get loose stools and they told me it's going to stop, but it doesn't. What can I do uh, to, what can I eat to actually help reduce cholesterol without using medication? So I think I think it depends, uh, Kathy, firstly on the levels of cholesterol that the, the patient uh, had at the time of diagnosis, because for some people, you know, lifestyle interventions alone may not necessarily reduce uh, the cholesterol to the level that is acceptable uh, for preventing, um, you know, heart attacks. So it would be good for them to go and speak to their doctor around the because remember there are different, um, you know. Um, a, a cholesterol lowering medications you might you might find that maybe he is just reacting to this particular one made by one company but if they switch him to a different one he'll be fine so i think it's first exploring that but if you know um the the cholesterol levels were not that high at the time of diagnosis and he can you know change his lifestyle and not need a medication that is great i mean there are various diets where we say your oatmeal you know those are some of the of the of the foods that have been associated with with um you know lowering cholesterol but i think the most important one being just being physically active um, you know, at least 30 minutes a day um, and, and five days a week uh, where you get your 50, 150 minutes of, of exercise and, and getting your heart rate going. So I think those are some of the basic, um, you know, preventative measures. But I think where there is a requirement for treatment, it's worth uh, him just consulting with the doctor so that they can review the script and maybe change it to something else that may be well tolerated. All right. Let me go to KZN. Gabriel, good morning. Morning, Katie. Yes. Uh, I'll try to, yes, I'll try to be quick, uh, Katie. I'm um, pulling usually a typical case here. And it's unfortunate that on the iron deficiency, I've not actually like it very well. But uh, the effect like determined that when somebody is actually squatting, then he quickly actually like, uh, want to go and run and do whatever, then you would have tears uh, or it become dizzy. And then uh, I don't know what's the reason for that. And then also the quantity, man, which is being shared as to how many secrets one should actually like it. Because that typical case, you see that uh, particular gentleman is making almost on average uh, 10 to 15 cigarettes a day. And yet he's sleeping three to four hours. And yet he's actually like, broken world records from hundreds. It's unfortunate that it has not yet been actually like, uh, announced. That oh, it has not even come to the attention of those things. At least that uh, yes, broken the world record from 100 meters to 400 meters. And, and then who, on who, who, case, who? at the age of 51, mm. yeah, at the age of 51, how possibly that uh, can actually happen to a human being? Is there who, anything who, who right is that, Gabriel, that you're talking about that has broken all of these records? Uh, somebody of whom is very much close to me. No, but I mean, if they've broken records, or is it not like national records or? Or international no, records. I'm, I'm talking about, yeah, that's the reason why I'm questioning it out. Just what is it that is right? Because he's broken it at the age of 50, started to, to progress at the age of 50. Right, that's just why you keep on actually improving. Mm. And yet he's sleeping three to four hours. I don't know why this is actually happening. Because he's saying that it's not, uh, such a thing as, was not actually happening before. Mm. And then the party has got a problem on that uh, iron division because he does not know as to whether maybe it's uh, iron division or what. But somebody personally told him that uh, it's iron division. So when, when he's squatting, then he quickly actually like, uh, stand up, then he will become dizzy. Then they said it's just because of that. Mm. Okay. And the, also the secret intake, because he's actually like, taking the secret that I'm mentioning, that almost to, as we actually like sleeping after hours, sleeping, um, smoking on each day, 
10 to 15 seconds. How is this sexual like happen? Is there anything right that is sexual like doing or is there anything wrong maybe that is not sexual like doing? Or is there something of which maybe it's been conceived in his body then one day? So, 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 so Gabriel, just to make sure I understand what you're saying and based on, on this uh, individual that's 51 years old that you say you know, um, you are looking at his lifestyle and you're saying he sleeps for um, about three to four hours a day. He smokes uh, quite heavily and yet he's still... Um, healthy and is able to participate in, in different sports, including running and, and breaking records, you say local records. Yeah, but my, my, my problem would be when you're saying heavy, how many are you feel like saying? That's the reason why I'm... Like when when what, Gabriel? Has anything been said? Has it been said? When you're saying that he's smoking a... It's, uh, maybe it's heavily, according to yourself, but it's heavily just in general. Oh, okay. So, 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 how many cigarettes effectively can one get away with smoking before it's unhealthy? Exactly. Okay. Like just like uh, salt, <laughs> it has like a, a all right. Of <laughs> all right. All right, Gabriel. Thanks for that question. Yeah. Thank you very much, Kitty. No nice problem, Gabriel. Free. Gabriel, after ah. in KZN. Robin in Cape Town. <laughs> good morning. Morning, Kathy. Thank, thank you for a very informative show. Um, uh, the only comment I had is we so we we've had family members that have also gone through a similar exercise, but w- what I found is really challenging is finding a central place that's easy to consume that that will help you digest information as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll, I'll make a I'll make a few examples. Like for for I would assume a large part of our population don't have a fitness device that can monitor mm-hmm. heart rate. So like what does that what does it actually mean to people? So I'm part of a running club as well. And if, even in our session yesterday, when we talk through like heart rate and assessing, it's really difficult for a youngster, a young, a young development runner and an adult to kind of assess what that means. So it, it's really challenging for a large part of the population. But that's a pure assumption. And then the other part around healthy eating, that, that's also relative because what does that mean? Like, is it larger? Because you, you could eat a healthy meal but massively overeat as well. So it, it's, it's not an easy thing for someone to say, this is the right amount of carbs that I should be eating per day based on my build, based on what my goals are. This is the right amount of protein, the right amount of healthy fat and unhealthy fat because that's a really tricky thing to do. And it's, it's not very easy for people to, to consume. And I think that's, that's something that, that I found really hard and what we needed to do is we needed to pay to go and have to, to do a consultation to understand what that means because it's really difficult. It's difficult to go into a store to buy, for example, a ready-made meal. Let's just call it a, a, ready, a, ready, a ready-made salad. But that salad could have, for example, pasta with loads of mayo in. And you, in your mind, you're thinking, I'm eating this thing that's, that's meant to be healthy. But technically, it's not overly healthy once you turn the package around and go and have a look what that label looks like. And I think that's, that sometimes is the problem is it's really difficult. I, I like, we, we, we try to, to go, and, go and find support with a dietitian to help um, the family get, get, get through something that's, that, that's manageable. Mm. But for most, for, for some people, it, it's just, it's not practical going to spend, I don't know, how many hundred uh, it, it's going to cost for, for people to do consultation. And then to be able to actively, like, actually consume the information, it's really difficult. And I don't think we make it really practical for people to be able to do that. And, 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 yeah. if, you this, yeah. and if you look at Discovery, do it really well. But it's still complex. I, I'm also a Discovery member and use, use Vitality. It's not easy at all. It, it, it's, it's the first, it, it sounds easy in, in, in principle, 
but it's definitely it's quite far from easy. I, I agree with you 100%, Robin, and and, and the, the issue that you raised there about the sources that is is in food, you know, I know you use the, the example of the pasta salad, but you can think of something like potato salad. Lots of people think potato salad is healthy, um, but when you look at it, <laughs> the amount of mayo yeah. that goes into it, you know, um, and, and these are things that we, we have to be mindful of. And, and you don't just want the information available to a certain community, as in if you're part of a medical aid or not. You want the yeah. information available to everybody, you know? Yep, I agree. And I think that's the, the, it's the challenge in South Africa is that it, it, in, some, in some forms we think it's not possible, but it, it's 100% possible. It's getting to the right people, getting, getting, getting the message out to the, the right audience that can spread the message. It, it, we've become very consumed in our, like, service is, avail- is available to everyone, but you need to pay for it. And, uh, and that's, and that's not, not, not possible for a lot of people. Yeah. All right, Robin, thanks for the call. Uh, let me end it off in uh, Woodbank, Bongani. Good morning. Good morning, Katie. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I just got two questions for your guest. The first one... Hello, Katie? Yes, Bongani, you're still live on the radio. Go for it. Oh, okay. I've got a question here. I was diagnosed with uh, hypertension uh, three years back. Then now, uh, I have uh, started exercising and it's normalized my my BP. So I want to know from the talk if it's possible sometimes if uh, my doctor can stop me from taking medication since uh, the method I'm using to normalize it is responding. And the next question I just want to ask, uh, how, how good is a kind paper for All right. Thank, thanks for that question, uh, Bongani. Thank you for calling in. Uh, Nolutando? Yes, I'm going to start with the first first one. So it was um, around the, the friend who who may potentially have, um, you know, uh, anemia, iron deficiency anemia. I think for that friend, it's important for them to go and get tested because they, there is a way to identify whether there is iron deficiency and it's treatable. They can get iron tablets and they can be fine. If they are indeed iron deficient, they will, you know, have what we call, uh, in layman's terms, I'll just say, weak blood, meaning that the blood is not strong enough, which is why they may be dizzy um, at times. Um, and and uh, iron in, improves then the strength of your, of your blood, and then you can get good um, oxygen carrying uh, capacity in your, in, your, in your cells. So I think that's very important. So they must just get t- tested and then they can be put on treatment. The issue about smoking, I mean, they are, I've not seen any benefits of smoking and therefore <laughs> there is no quantity that I can say it's healthy for anyone because, um, you know, regular smoke uh, has got uh, impact on various uh, parts of your body. It causes cancer. Uh, we know it affects your lungs. It affects your bloodstream. You know, you get thickening of the blood um, and you can get clotting. You can get so smoking in general causes a lot of problems in one's health and therefore i've not seen i've not come across any benefits of smoking and therefore i would not recommend um, smoking at all the the one important thing about the friend is that the fact that they are still alive and they are running 
does not mean tomorrow they cannot just have a heart attack and and we say you know they are gone so they are still at high risk for heart heart attacks specifically because they are smoking uh, but it's good that they are exercising because at least there are some benefits in exercising and then there are also genetic factors that you know protect other people from getting you know a severe uh, disease we have seen people with very bad uh, you know lifestyles in terms of poor health and uh, not exercising not eating well uh, smoking drinking King and they still uh, live longer than other people who are looking after themselves. So there are some genetic factors that also are, are usually at play. And then the second um, call around um, diet, I think for me, it's really around simplifying uh, the, the dietary advice. Um, and, and, you know, just uh, the, the, the some principles are around prepare your own food because at least you know what you've put in it. Because if you buy stuff, um, you never know what's in it. And, you know, it's, there are some hidden fats and hidden salts that are in the in, in the food that we buy. Um, and it's it's simple also. It's really around saying, what do you have? What do we need? You need starch. You don't have to, to have, um, you know, um, processed foods. You make your pap, you make your rice, um, you, you make your own vegetables. You've got your meat. You minimize on red meat. You, 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 you consume more of the fish and, and chicken, which I think people can at least, uh, you know, uh, understand that. And then um, it's about the portion sizes, which is another important thing that the caller, you know, highlighted, that you need to know the sizes. So you've got a, 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 an average size plate. You can't overfill it. You know, you count your portion size, use your palms of your hand to, to measure your the size of your of your carbohydrates meaning your starches and you know think about your meat sure. they usually say just so, a bit. So, sorry, so it's just yeah. it's just all of so, that sorry to come in here Nolutan. i'm going to ask you just to try and wrap up quickly for me because we're out of time and and we'll hand Please. over to the next show uh, very very soon yeah so i think that that's really that it's really how we make it practical and the last um a caller was uh, asking about you oh, know i forgot the last one Mm. I remember the, the question about the, the cayenne pepper and, and if it actually oh, makes yes. a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, like I said, you know, the, these are not uh, medical recommendations. And I've said from my side, I'd rather, you know, recommend more broadly, you know, a healthy diet rather than one single, you know, go to type of, of, of intervention that has not been widely tested in, in, in clinical trials. So and, I think that that's the recommendation. And, and if he can ask to be off his medication, given the fact that uh, he's doing better than he was before his blood pressure has normalized. He needs to be monitored because he can be off the, the, the medication. And then because we say hypertension is a silent killer, uh, he may not experience any symptoms that maybe the blood pressure has gone up again. So I think if he wants to win off medication, he must do it uh, in consultation with their doctor and he must be monitored. All right. Let me thank you so much for coming on to the show and for being part of um, our, our our show today, Dr. Nolutando Nematswerani, who is Head of Clinical Excellence at Discovery. That's where we leave it for today on The Talking Point. It's time for me to hand you over to Sakina Kamwendo with the update at noon.